Today on Ag News Daily. We're really going to try to go uh, to, to the sale in San Antonio and, and spend that money there on those kids. Um, but again, it's not just San Antonio. San Antonio is special to both Lene and I. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and happy Friday indeed, Delaney. I think that this is probably the most Monday-feeling Friday I've experienced in a long time. Uh, I'm 100% there with you, Ashton. I'm not going to lie. I don't really want to cry, but I just feel like I don't know how else to feel right now. Today's been a, a crazy day here at work. Um, we've The markets have been trading a lot. We've been trying to keep up with that. There's just a lot going on today, Ashton, that's for sure. There certainly is. We've been kind of scattered with the network as well. Lots of it has been going on just on the sidelines. So I'm ready to kind of take a break and deep dive into the news and what's going on in the world of agriculture. Starting things off, I want to talk about the sheep industry because they are continuing to recover efforts following disruptions from the COVID-19 pandemic. Spence Rule with the Colorado Lamb Processors says if there was one positive about the pandemic, it was the increase in consumption of lamb at home. And I, for one, can't say that I had lamb at home. I don't think I've ever even had lamb to begin with, but it definitely is surprising. And I'm glad that folks have been cooking lamb at home. Spence was quoted as saying it has people back home cooking and trying new products. Lamb has been on the forefront of that. We got a lot of exposure through this pandemic that we may not have gotten if it was business as usual. Rick Scott, CEO of Superior Farms, says that lamb got an additional boost from grocery stores at the start of the pandemic. Because as we know, we saw a lot of stores selling out of chicken, beef products, the, I guess, quote unquote, normal stuff that people are typically buying. And lamb was often there when those products weren't. So it kind of forced some producers or not producers rather forced consumers to take that risk and kind of diversify their plates at home. But I definitely thought that it was interesting. And like Spence rule said, that is kind of one positive of the pandemic for the sheep industry. Well, that's good. I think a lot of other industries have been a little little sour from COVID. So it's good that the sheep industry is doing well. And I myself like a good gyro. So I know that's sheep-based meat. Well, Delaney, I can't say that I have ever had one. I might have to try it out. I don't know if I'd be cooking it from home, though. I don't think that I would trust myself to do it justice. I don't think I would either. But I want to switch tracks here a little bit, Ashton, and talk about the weather industry to some extent. I was just reading through some National Oceanic Atmospheric stats for 2020. 20, and they have put out their recent report for weather, basically, for the year of 2020. And in their report published, they reported 22 different disasters across the United States happening in 2020, totaling $1 billion. This is now the number one year of costliest storm damage, and this surpasses 2011 and 2017 when there were quite a few different damages across the industry as well. And not only that, but they 
also or other reports went on to indicate that meteorologists are looking at another polar vortex, much like the one we saw in uh, spring slash winter of 2019 that caused significant flooding in Iowa, Nebraska and Missouri. They said that could be in play next week. They're expecting a potentially modified blast of this polar vortex in Canada to reach northern portions of the United States freezing things pretty thoroughly. And you'll, if you remember back to 2019, you know, we had a really long frost process. Things started to melt and there was just a lot of frozen lakes and rivers that had to thaw out. And eventually all those waters came downstream to parts of Iowa and Missouri. And again, this is just a forecast. This is a potential. We don't know that this is going to happen precisely as a prediction. But if this pattern does continue, they're suggesting we're going to see potentially another wet year like we saw in 2019 with some probably good chances of having, again, some flooding. And I know 2019 was not a great year for folks, especially those folks that were hit by flooding. I went out and toured it myself, actually, and it was just crazy to see the amount of water that was there. Hopefully we don't have anything quite that horrible. But, you know, on the other hand, I think if we do see these polar vortex uh, weather conditions, that would be another reason I would be bullish the markets. Well, Delaney, another thing that I am watching is our relationship with China. As we know, this week, China's made some pretty big purchases in the corn markets. But the Biden administration is set to review all national security measures put in place by former President Donald Trump, which includes the U.S.-China Phase 1 trade deal, which was signed last January in 2020. And that was from White House Press Secretary Jen Paskey. When asked if President Joe Biden viewed the deal as still in effect, Paskey told a White House briefing, quote, everything that the past administration has put in place is under review as it relates to our national security approach. So I would not assume things are moving forward. Paskey said the Biden administration was focused on approaching the U.S.-China relationship from a position of strength, and that means coordinating and communicating with our allies and partners about how we're going to work with China. So I'm curious to see after this review if our relationship with China is going to be a bit more strained or if they're going to continue to make purchases like they have been this week. Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Ashton, because I do have a little bit more news about all those purchases that they have been making. Uh as we know, China's made quite a few purchases, both on the soybean and corn side of things this week. And now it's expected that China is going to exceed their corn buying quota set by the WTO after we've seen record buying spree over the past week. We've seen nearly 6 million metric tons of corn purchased this week, the largest weekly purchase ever, according to USDA data. And Bloomberg News also reported that China's indicated they're going to pick up about another 2 million metric tons in their next round of purchases, which will surpass the WTO quota. The, if you want to read between the lines here, I think the important piece of that news is, yes, that China is buying. The demand is there, but what's that going to do for commodity markets? That's the big question. Is China going to continue purchasing at these record levels? Uh, will they slow down when corn keeps skyrocketing, assuming that's what we do see have happen. There's a lot of uh, fundamental factors that are definitely in play right now, Ashton. 
It certainly sounds like it, Delaney. And to be honest, I would not like to be in your shoes because I know that things have been kind of crazy in your office today, kind of dealing with the markets. And I just assume that that has to do a lot with what's going on in the corn markets and with China. But I just have one other news story that I want to share before we actually hop into the markets for today. And Delaney, you and I have been talking a little bit about comparing the pandemic to African swine fever, um, avian influenza, those kinds of animal diseases. And USDA Secretary of Agriculture nominee Tom Vilsack said that there is a tremendous amount of synergy between the circumstances of a pandemic involving humans and those involving animals. So Delaney, we're on the right track there. We're kind of thinking thinking brightly, I would say. But during the Coalition for Epi Response Engagement and Science Biosecurity Infectious Disease Symposium at Colorado State University earlier this week, Vilsack explored those parallels between the animal and human infectious disease pandemics with CSU Vice President for Research, Alan Rudolph. And During their conversation, Vilsack said that there were three lessons that we can learn from the pandemic that can help the country better prepare for future human and animal infectious disease outbreaks. Lesson one is detecting problems sooner rather than later, which is definitely something that we've probably learned during the COVID-19 pandemic. The second lesson learned is that incredible coordination is required during a disease outbreak, whether it's an animal disease situation or human disease situation. And it starts with the ability of every government level, local, state, federal, to coordinate and work together. And lastly, Vilsack said that the third lesson to be learned is the country needs to be able to create, distribute, and manufacture vaccines more quickly. All of this involves effective communication, he added. But I just thought it was interesting that we're seeing the USDA Secretary of Ag nominee talk about these things because it's something that you have you and I have discussed, Delaney. So kind of answers a few questions or a few ponders, I suppose. It certainly does, Ash, and it would be great after assuming he's sworn in, which I don't see any problem, and assuming we can figure out who his press people are having uh, Secretary Vilsack back on the podcast sometime, because we've had him on as his role in U.S. Dairy Export Council. We haven't had him on officially in his capacity as Secretary of Agriculture, mostly because, well, we were doing the podcast when he was in administration last. That's actually the crazy part, Ash. And I just realized is we have now been or will have been through three different administrations in this podcast, right? 2017. So yeah, three different administrations. Crazy to think. That is absolutely crazy. I can't believe you've been at it this long, Delaney, and you're still full of interesting things to learn. Hmm. I think it's because I'm learning interesting things every day, especially commodity markets. You know, working here at Trader PhD has given me new insights. I've obviously been talking a lot more about the markets. I unfortunately feel like I live and breathe it now, but uh, it's given me a different perspective on ag news. That's for sure as well. But Ashton, talking about the markets today, what do you say we look at where things closed? Let's do it, Delaney. All right. And as I mentioned, things were doing pretty well today. Um, you know, I actually, 
haven't traded really much before this, but I took some positions today because I think there is some long-term bullishness in both the court and sweeping markets. And today's moves definitely indicate that. Today, the March corn contract closed up 12 and a half cents to close at 547. The May up 11 and a quarter to close at 547 and a half. In soybeans, March contract up 16 and three quarters to close at 1370. The May up 15 and a half to close at 1367. Chicago wheat higher in the day as well as the March contract added 16 cents to close at 663. The May up 15 to close at 662 and a half. And in livestock today, they were mostly lower as anticipated when we see grains rally. That's kind of been the tune so far. February live cattle today down 95 and a half cents to close at 115.05. The April down 85 to close at 121.85. And in feeders, pretty Big losses today is the March contract shed two dollars seven cents to end at one thirty seven seventy two and a half. The April down a dollar ninety two to close at one forty seventy five. And in lean hogs mixed trade yet again today as the February lean hog contract shed fifteen cents to close at sixty nine eighty. The April up twenty seven and a half to close at seventy six sixty five. And rounding out the markets with the class three dairy milk futures. February shedding thirteen cents to close at fifteen thirty nine. The March down eleven to close at sixteen sixty one. Now Ashton, without further ado. I know we had a little bit of a rough go about today for finding an interview, but it sounds like we've got one secured and coming right up. Tell us who we'll be talking to. Today, we are going to be talking to Hannah Egbert from Black Creek Innovations about the hashtag stock show strong movement. Well, for today's podcast interview, we are talking to Hannah Egbert, who is a fellow Red Raider and also an intern with Black Creek Innovations. Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. So I guess Fridays are just all about Red Raiders here at the Ag News Daily Podcast, because last Friday we had another Red Raider on and Delaney and I are Red Raiders. But Hannah, before we get started talking, you know, about Black Creek Innovations and, you know, more specifically about Stock Show Strong, which is why we're having you on today. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about your background in agriculture and what you're doing at Tech? Okay, so I have always grown up around agriculture. It's been such a big part of my life and has brought me so much joy um, from when I was a little girl to here I am now today studying ag communications at Texas Tech. I'm a junior Um, which is crazy to think about. It's really flown by, but um, it's just really impacted me as a person overall and really given me um, a purpose in life and a drive and something to work towards every day and um, has just really made me into an independent, strong woman. And I I love being involved in ag still. um, And it's just really great that I'm getting to learn about it also in college and pursue a career in it. And I'm very excited to see where it all takes me. I'm right there with you, Hannah. I think we kind of have similar stories making us, you know, strong, independent women. And I think that Delaney can also attest to that. But why don't you tell us just a little bit more about Black Creek Innovations, because I've got to see what you do from the sidelines. Looks like some great stuff. But for our listeners who aren't familiar with Black Creek Innovations, why don't you give them the 10,000 foot view? So Black Creek Innovations is an ag marketing company. Um, It's owned by Lene Williams, who is also a Red Raider or former Red Raider. Um, 
She started this a couple years ago, um, and I just joined the team about nine months ago. Really, when all the coronavirus started happening is when we kind of met up and I kind of um, attached to her and started working with her and being her sidekick. Um, so it, we do we do marketing for companies and social media work and advertising and events. Um, we cover a lot of ground right now and it's, it's a blast. It's so fun. And we get to travel and do things and um, just help out where, whenever we can and wherever we can with companies that need it and um, do our best in making a difference in the ag industry. I'm glad that you brought up that phrase, making a difference in the ag industry, because that's what you're doing with hashtag stock show strong, which I'm really excited to talk about because there's some things that I personally want to learn about it because I'm not too familiar with the project. But why don't you give us a little elevator pitch on what exactly stock show strong is? Because from my understanding, it also ties into the heritage fund at Black Creek. Yes, you're exactly right. So she started the Heritage Fund um, mainly to support the kids, give back to something that has given us both and everyone so much. Um, and that's exactly what we're getting to do with the Stock Show Strong. Um, it, it became an idea as soon as COVID hit and when um, the stock shows started getting canceled, we just, we, we knew we had to do something. And this was just really a perfect opportunity to again, give back. Um, to the kids and and understand that we have been in their spot spot before and look at everything that we've learned from the ag industry and from showing and understand that they need this and this is something they need and this is something that we can help with. So the hashtag stock show, stock show strong, um, all of the money that we raise from this um, campaign is going to go back to the kids in some way, either through spending it on their animals through the sales or scholarships or in any other way that they can get it. Um, and we're raising money. Uh, we're selling t-shirts, the stock, stock show strong shirts. We have those for sale. Um, you can go to our website, blackcreekinnovations.com and get those there. Um, and just a couple of other things that we're just kind of working towards and um, raising money. We've, we've raised about $5,000 so far. Um, to spend at the sales this year. Um, so we're super excited about that. And we hope to continue to grow because this has all just been kind of a thing since COVID. So we haven't really ran the campaign for a whole year yet, but we're excited to continue this and see where we can really take it in the future. It certainly is exciting and a pretty heartwarming story because here in Texas, we've seen a lot of shows shut down. Fort Worth isn't happening this year. Unfortunately, the alternative is taking its place, at least in the pig, pig realm this week, this upcoming week. But are you guys going and going out to these shows that are actually happening? I believe you guys, you know, set up something at the Fort Worth Coliseum. So what exactly are you doing from a face to face standpoint? We were at the Cowgirls in Cowtown um, show this past weekend, I believe, and that was a blast. That was the first time we've really um, went and set up a booth uh, for the Stock Show Strong um, campaign, and it was it was a success. You know, it was good uh, to to get our faces out there and get that hashtag Stock Show Strong up on a big banner and really really get it out there for people to look at and ask about and. Um, 
talk to us and ask what we, what we do. And, you know, it's not, we aren't a booth that's selling clothes. Like we aren't, we aren't a booth that's selling a product. Um, So people were, were interested in what we were doing there. And it was a lot of fun to get to talk to everyone and see, see the kids that we're going to help someday here in the near future. And um, so that was a lot of fun. And we, we do hope to continue to, go to the shows and be there in person and, and watch and be seen out there. Cause that's always very important to, to make sure you're there physically. Um, in our world today, everything is very over the computer and that's great, but making sure you're there is, is also a huge part of what we do. Absolutely, Hannah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. But when we're talking about showing our support for these kids, it's hard to kind of be there, you know, for every single show, every single sale. So is there, you know, a specific sale or a specific show that you guys are really wanting to drive your support home? Yes, there is. And with our funds um, not being big enough to, to, you know, cover all the sales, we're really going to try to go uh, to to the sale in San Antonio and and spend that money there on those kids. Um, but again, it's not just San Antonio. San Antonio is special to both Lene and I because we're from down there. That was that we were we have always been very involved at the sale in San Antonio. Our families. Her dad is the auctioneer there, and my family has been involved at the sale for many, many years. So that was kind of where our heart was pulled to. Um, but again, we don't want to um, just limit it to that. Um, hopefully in 2022, we can, you know, really up our funds um, and, and spend money other places as well as doing scholarships and jackpot shows. And we have lots of ideas that we're playing with and we're very excited to see how they all play out. Absolutely, Hannah. And, you know, not to diminish the work that you guys have been doing, but I mean, it's just when I think about, you know, the Texas Tech livestock circuit, there's so, so many kids involved. And I wish that, you know, we could have all the funds in the world to be able to support these kids, especially in, you know, the the COVID-19 world that we live in. But I certainly appreciate folks like you and Lene who are you know, putting their efforts in to support in any way they can. But for folks at home, how can they really support you guys? Of course, other than buying t-shirts, but, you know, can they, you know, share this hashtag on social media and, you know, how can they reach out to you guys? Oh, hashtags are great. I mean, social media is huge. Like I said before, Um, just following us on all social media, you know, Black Creek, um, Black Creek Innovations on our Facebook page and on Instagram, we're there. Um, we're there a lot. Um, and, and using the stock show strong hashtag is huge too. Um, it was so fun to see people interacting with the the hashtag at the Cowgirls in Cowtown um, show. You know, we had, we had girls come and take pictures by our hashtag um, and post them. And, and that was really, that was awesome to see it really getting played out and um, getting the attention that we, we want it to get for the right reasons. Absolutely. And Hannah, I just have one other question before I let you go. And it's just about what does the future look like, you know, not only for hashtag stock show strong, but the the future for Black Creek Innovations. Where do you see you and Lene going here in the near future? 
Oh, I see is, um, oh, there's no telling where we'll go. She has new ideas every day and I love listen, listening to her think out loud with me. It's, it's truly a joy. You know, she, she truly does have an idea every day. Let's do this. Let's do that. Um, we, there's no telling. I mean, I, we're, we're just excited and we're working towards new goals every day. Um, you know, starting a show circuit for these kids, you know, um, doing stuff like that to making, to make sure these kids are, are getting the involvement that they need to be getting and, um, the support that they need to do that. Um, but we're just going to continue to work and work with our clients and, um, help, help the ag industry and any way we possibly can. Well, Hannah, hopefully the work that you guys are doing will certainly help the future generations of agriculture lift to new heights. But thanks again, Hannah, so much for coming on, talking to us about Black Creek Innovations and hashtag Stock Show Strong. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks again there to Hannah for jumping on. So Quickly, we did, like you said, Delaney, have a little bit of trouble today. Like I said earlier in the podcast, it's the most Monday feeling Friday ever. So I'm certainly glad that Hannah was able to save the day, come on and talk to us about Stock Show Strong. And I just hope that on Monday, it feels maybe like a Monday, not so much a Friday, because I think that that wouldn't really set the right tone for the week. No, it certainly wouldn't, but we'll be talking on Monday about markets again, so do stay tuned for that, but catch up on any of the past episodes you might have missed at agnewsdaily.com or follow us on social media at agnewsdaily. Ashton, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.